0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Another beautiful sunny day here in the Northeast. We, we've had some uh, major computer issues here this morning, so we're winging this one a little bit. Um, I wasn't able to uh, <laughs> to print out a lot of stuff that I usually do and... Uh, My computer decided that this morning, I guess, uh, was the time to do some major updates. Uh, So I only the normal computer that I use to uh, to access the AP wire and stuff like that was was unavailable until literally about five minutes before we went on the air. So I've been scrambling. And uh, so forgive me if this one is a little bit ragged because uh, I wasn't able to do my normal prep this morning. Uh, So I apologize ahead of time for that. But all right, let's get uh, let's get started. Hey, by the way, um, I guess welcome to maskless Friday or maskless forever if you're fully vaccinated, uh, according to the CDC. Now, what's going to be interesting with this whole mask thing is, number one, you don't know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't. You know, we're not going to be walking around with our vaccination cards. By the way, I'm fully vaccinated, but I would refuse to walk around with my vaccination card. This isn't Nazi Germany where you had to show your papers everywhere you went somewhere. I mean, so we're not going to do that, number one. And if they do, I'll rebel, whether I'm fully vaccinated or not. I'd rather wear a mask than have to show somebody my papers. Um uh, having said that, you know the other issue is is that there are people that aren't vaccinated that are going to take their masks off because the CDC said fully vaccinated people can. Well, people without the vaccinations can take theirs off and say, oh, yeah, I'm vaccinated. And you know that's going to happen on a regular basis. So that's number one. But the good news is for those of us that are fully vaccinated, they say, well, obviously you're not going to get it, or the chances are very, very low that you could get it. Nothing is foolproof. Um, and you can't transmit it. So those are good things. Uh, But what's going to be interesting is what the businesses are going to do. For instance, now that the CDC has said, I don't need to wear a mask because I'm fully vaccinated. Can I walk into the local stop and shop without my mask on? You know, I think stores still have the ability to tell people they have to wear a mask. My wife works for Home Depot. They... You know, they can't require a mask, but they want people to wear masks, and they have signs up, and if you come in without a mask, they offer you one, and unless you're a total a-hole, you take it. But, of course, there are total a-holes out there that refuse to, but my wife said, does it surprisingly, they're few and far between, which is good news. Uh, I imagine in places in the South, in Trump country, it's probably a little bit more prevalent, but up here, uh, by and large, people have done the right thing. But what are you gonna? What what's going to happen now? Here in the state of Connecticut, we have uh, the easing of restrictions, but they don't fully take place until the nineteenth, regardless of what the CDC says. Um, you know, Governor Lamont says that that our our restrictions don't completely end until the nineteenth, but he did say, "But you can relax a little bit yesterday." So I don't know what that means, but. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how individual businesses handle this. I mean, look, I haven't been wearing a mask outside even before I was fully vaccinated because quite frankly, I mean, I understand wearing one when you're inside, but if I'm, if I'm going for a walk, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm sorry. I mean, I was, I never did. Uh, when I would, when I would go to the grocery store, the second I walked out of the grocery store and I was out in fresh air, I took my mask off because when you're outside, you're not going to get it. You know, unless you're, uh, you know, uh, right up in somebody's grill. But now with the CDC saying this, it's going to be kind of, um, and I guarantee you, we all know on the local and national news for the next couple of weeks until this all gets shaken out, we're going to see a lot of uh, video fights. <laughs> you probably have, you know, uh, confrontations in stores that still want you to wear a mask and people saying, well, screw you, I'm not wearing a mask. And, you know, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. You know, and there's been talk. If you remember, they were talking about concerts and, and uh, ball games and stuff like that, where there was talk of they were, in order to go, you were going to have to prove that you were vaccinated. Again, that's something I'm against. Uh, I hope we don't get to that point. My wife and I are going to uh, a concert in August. We already bought tickets to uh, a Thomas Rhett confer- a concert in August. Can't wait. Uh, And when we bought the tickets, you know, one of the things we checked was to make sure that it wasn't like, hey, you have to show your papers. (laughs) There was none of that. Uh, It did say something about, you know, wearing a a mask uh, when you were not eating or drinking. And, you know, it is what it is. But we won't have to do that now, according to the CDC and according to the state of Connecticut. So that's exciting. So uh, stay tuned for the news and watch the news for the next few days. It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Um, Along with that. There was a petition handed down this morning to the organizers of the Tokyo Olympic Games. It was signed by 350,000 people, Japanese people. Uh, this petition was started by a well known lawyer in the state, a guy who's also run for the governor of Tokyo. And they don't want the Olympics to go on. They're supposed to start in about 10 weeks on July the 23rd but look uh, Japan has already spent 15.4 billion dollars on putting these Olympics on which by the way is just ludicrous which is why I, why any country would want to host the Olympics and have to with that kind of price tag is crazy. You know, I mean, something has to be done about that. It's gotten out of hand. I've been saying that for years. This isn't something new. Um, but the problem that they're having in Japan is that they they have a, their outbreak there is still pretty bad. You know, things are not as people aren't vaccinated the way they are here. And they are having serious issues with medical professionals. So they're not going to have enough doctors and nurses and uh, sports medicine people, et cetera, et cetera, to treat the number of athletes heading to the Olympics. There's fifteen thousand athletes headed to Japan, and the number of people that it is going to take to test them, and then, and by the way, not to mention that's just athletes. Not to mention you know, 10, 20, 30,000 more of the judges, staff that are working it, sponsors that are there, the media, um, you know, th- that's a country, by the way, they've sealed their borders for the last year. And now all of a sudden they're going to open it up, you know, to 50,000 people coming to the Olympics when they already are, you know, they've had, uh, a, a, I don't know, 11 or 12,000 deaths in the country. That's a very small country compared to the United States. um, so, you know, they're, they're very concerned. Organizers have said that they're going to need 10,000 medical professionals to staff the Olympics. They don't have close to that. So, look, you know, it's great. that I understand why they would want to cancel this. It ain't happening. Not after $15 billion, not with the world looking, not with the vaccination push going on. It's just uh, it's not going to happen. The IOC is not going to let that happen. The International Olympic Committee needs the money from the broadcasting rights and the sponsors, and if it got canceled, they would be uh, <laughs> devastated. So it's 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 happening. You know, the Olympics are going to happen. Uh, whether there'll be fans there or how many supposedly as of right now, it's only going to be Japanese fans. No foreign fans are going to be allowed into the Olympic games, at least as of right now. And with it just being 10 weeks away, my guess is that there won't be any people traveling from other countries. So family members aren't going over there to watch their, their, uh, you know, their athletes, at least as of right now. And I'd be shocked if that changes. So, uh, but the Olympics are happening. Get over it. I mean, I, I get it. You know, I understand. But they're not canceling. Not after 15, Bill. Um, before we get to baseball last night, have you seen the ticket prices? The, the NFL schedule was just released yesterday. Have you seen the ticket prices for the Week 4 game on October 3rd when Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to New England to take on the Patriots? <laughs> Yesterday the cheapest seat and this was in the upper deck of Gillette Stadium where you would need uh you know uh, binoculars and uh, oxygen because you're up so high it was a 1000 bucks a ticket to sit in the upper deck on October 3rd to watch Tom Brady's return That's in the upper deck You want to sit in a lower level near the 50 yard line? How about five grand? Five grand (laughs) for a week four regular season NFL game. Are you kidding me? And like I said, You are much better watching a football game on your television in your living room. You're going to be much more comfortable, and you are going to be able to see the game a whole hell of a lot better. $5,000 to sit in the lower deck. $1,000 just to sit in the upper deck. And by the way, that's right now $1,000. As the game gets closer and people get more insane about this, that's going to go up. Just just nuts. And now let's let's compare that. They're opening. Now, look, football tickets are expensive. I mean, when you look at it this way, with 17 games, you're going to have either eight or nine home games. So you have to make all your ticket revenue in eight or nine games. It's not like baseball where, you know, you've got 81 home games. So, you know, it's going to cost you 150 bucks for a ticket to a football game, which is another reason why I'd rather watch it in my living room. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I'm going to pay $150, bucks, i would rather go see a concert, you know, seriously, than, than an NFL football game. But having said that, the opening day game, the Thursday, um, uh, the Thursday night game, I think it's a Thursday night game, when the Patriots play the Dolphins, for the season opener, uh, you can scalp a ticket, on, or I guess it's not technically scalping a ticket, but you can get it from one of the ticket services now for two hundred and fifty nine bucks, and that is uh, a decent seat. That's not up in the uh, you know in the upper deck uh, like it was for the thousand dollars for the Patriot Bucks game. So two hundred and fifty nine for a decent seat, uh, five grand for a decent seat, if you want to watch uh, Tampa Bay come to town, just nuts. Absolutely nuts. Interesting, too, yesterday, Tom Brady's father, uh, Tom Brady Sr., went on a sports talk show, uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub, uh, to talk about the game and how he's salivating for this. And it wasn't like, hey, uh, we hate the Patriots. It was, you know, it, Brady made it very – Brady's father made it very clear that they still root for the Patriots. That's It's now their second favorite team with Brady, Tom Brady no longer there. But they still root for the Patriots, but – but as his father said, uh, you know, we expect, to, uh, we expect to beat the Patriots. He said, rather handily, frankly. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, $5,000 for a ticket to a football game. Just, uh, it's not even the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's $5,000. <000. laughs> Get out of here. All right, uh, baseball last night. The Red Sox. The bats finally woke up in their previous three games. Prior to last night, the Red Sox had 13 hits. They had uh, uh, two games in a row. They had four hits and then they had five hits on Wednesday night. So 13 hits in three games last night. They had 13 hits. Uh, and I was worried about this game. Sean Manaya was the starter for the A's, a guy that has pitched a no-hitter against the Red Sox in the past, a guy who took a no-hitter into the seventh or eighth inning in his previous start, had been pitching very well lately. Well, the Red Sox got to him for seven runs and ten hits in two innings. And this game was over in the second inning. They scored three in the first thanks to a uh, – a home run by Xander Bogarts, an RBI by RBI single by J.D. Martinez as he continues to keep it rolling. J.D. had three more hits last night. He's got his batting average up to .340. Bogarts went three for three last night. Now is hitting .348. Bogarts was a triple away from having the cycle last night. And then Bobby Dahlbeck, the guy who has struggled like crazy, guy who had been benched for a period of time because he couldn't hit at all, hit a blast to center field last night. I mean, this thing went, you know, 430 feet. It was a missile uh, for just his third home run of the season. But a very good sign. And, you know, it's one of those things you, if he's hitting, you know you're in trouble. Uh, But perhaps the guy that was, you know, regardless of the home runs, regardless of the three hits by J.D., the guy who was kind of the, uh, thing that got it all started last night, Michael Chavis, who recently got called up from AAA, a guy who had a great spring, a guy who I thought should have made the team out of spring training, but they decided to keep uh, Christian Arroyo and Francie Cordero instead. I I thought it was a mistake from the beginning. Well, Michael Chavis last night with a pair of doubles, and they were you know both doubles that he had to hustle his rear end off. You know, they weren't like, you know, ripped down the line, clear doubles. He had to hustle, and he dove into second base and beat throws from the outfielders twice. And he ended up scoring both times that uh, he got on. And uh, they started calling him, uh, at least Dennis Eckersley did, they started calling him the igniter last night. I like that. I like that. Uh, That might be a great nickname for him. But since coming back up, he has uh, done a great job. He is hitting 278 in the, what, four games he's been up. He's not going back down. They have got to keep him on the big club. Look, he can play first. He can play second. You can throw him in left field. Now, they, threw, they put J.D. Martinez in left field last night, too. So you don't need Franchi Cordero. Franchi Cordero has got to go to AAA. He has been hideous. He can't hit it all. He's striking out about uh, over about forty percent of the time, which is pr- pretty much his mo for his young career. But he's got to get back down south in uh, in Worcester, and he's got to figure this out because he's been awful. So Chavis, I think, goes nowhere uh, if the Red Sox are smart. You know, the other thing that was impressive last night was Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards, six innings, five hits. He struck out four. He he did walk three. But Richards has been uh, over his last four starts has been nothing short of spectacular. In 25 innings in his last four starts, he has a 2.16 ERA. Uh, his WHIP is 1.16, so he's allowing just over one one base runner an inning. He has struck out 26 in those 25 innings, and he's only walked five. And three of those were last night. Um. His strikeout-to-walk ratio in his last four games is five uh, five 5.2 to 1. Just phenomenal. And this is a guy, in his first four starts, was uh, it was batting practice. And he has made some adjustments, and they are paying big-time dividends. And he has become a huge part of this team now. Garrett Whitlock pitched the final three innings last night. Uh, even though it was a blowout, he gets a save because he pitched three innings. But he continued to pitch well. They did scratch out a run against him uh, as the Red Sox won 8-1. to one. But what a great game last night. Uh, and it was huge because the Yankees lost last night. So the Red Sox pick up another game. And it was just great to see you know, the bats pick up and getting production from places they hadn't been getting in in the past. Another great play last night, by the way, uh, Hunter Renfro for the second straight night picked up an assist in the outfield. Now on Wednesday night, uh, he hosed a guy out from deep right field. He made a throw to third base on the fly to get a guy that I haven't seen a throw like that since Dwight Evans played for the Red Sox back in the eighties and nineties. Uh, that's how good this throw was. um, And uh, last night, same thing, ball hit over his head. He goes back to the fence in right field, picks it up, makes a throw right to the cutoff man in a position where the cutoff man could catch, turn, and throw all in one motion. It was right on the button. Uh, They make the throw. The cutoff man throws it to the plate. They nail the guy at the plate. Now, granted, uh, it was the catcher running, uh, Sean Murphy, and he ran out of gas coming around third base. But, you know, still another Great throw by Hunter Renfro. Uh, And, look, he had a couple of hits last night. His batting average is slowly creeping up. But one of the things about Hunter Renfro that has amazed me, and I didn't realize, I mean, look, I know this guy had power. He hit uh, 30-some home runs for the San Diego Padres a few years ago. But I didn't realize how good an outfielder he is. And he made a catch last night. The final out of the game was a bullet hit out to right field. And uh, he made a great running catch to end the game. I mean, it wasn't going to make a difference even if he didn't catch it, catch it, but what a great catch. So I didn't realize how good defensively he is. Uh, he's not Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, I still miss Jackie, but he is a more than adequate right fielder. More than adequate. Uh, you know, uh, I, I thought that you know Verdugo should be playing there because he's you know was great last year in right field, but Verdugo's been okay in center. He's a better right fielder than a center fielder, but he's okay out there. But Hunter Renfro has a great arm and he has great instincts and he always makes the he. I haven't seen him take a wrong first step on a fly ball yet. So uh, another great play by him last night. Uh, the Red Sox announced that Kike Hernandez is going to start a rehab assignment on Saturday. In Worcester, Uh, Christian Arroyo hit for the first time yesterday with that uh, hand contusion he has after getting hit there. Uh, He will probably be not far behind, so they will probably both be headed back to the Red Sox lineup sometime late next week after getting a few games under their belt uh, in the minor leagues. And everybody has been talking about these uh, two young prospects for the Red Sox. Uh, Jaron Duran, the kid that is playing at triple-A, uh, speed for days, great hitter, but a guy that didn't have a lot of power until last year when he made some adjustments in his sp- swing. Even though there was no minor league season last year, they had him down at the alternate site all year, and the Red Sox coaches got with him, and they made some adjustments to his swing, and all of a sudden he has displayed a whole bunch of power. He only had five homers in 578 plate appearances in 2019. So last year, you know, he makes the adjustment, even though there's no minor league season. Well, this year he has been hitting the snot out of the ball. I mean, nine games into the season playing for the triple a team. He's already hit four home runs, including two on opening day uh, in Worcester. Uh, And then he hit one the other night. That went 440 feet on a 95 mile an hour fastball. He absolutely crushed this thing, you know. And I've talked about the Red Sox bringing him up um, with the struggles that they've had from Cordero and et cetera, et cetera. But with Chavis up there now, I'm I'm a little less on that. But the Red Sox have made it clear that yes, he will be with the big team. If it's this year, it will be late in the year unless something crazy happens with a bunch of injuries because the Red Sox don't feel that defensively Duran is quite there yet. Uh, they said that his his outfield defense still needs some work. It's spotty at times. And uh, even though he's got great speed, uh, if you take a wrong route to the ball, it doesn't matter how fast you are. So, uh, that was, uh, so that's the first guy they're talking about. Then the other one, the guy who is the number one prospect for the Red Sox, Christian Cassis um, is playing for the double A Portland Sea Dogs. The last couple of nights, they have been in Hartford playing the Yard Goats. Well, Christian Cassis may never want to leave Hartford. On Wednesday night, uh, he went four for six with two homers, a double, and he drove in six. That was on Wednesday. Last night, he hit two more. Uh, he had two more hits including a three-run homer that just about left the ballpark this I mean I saw the video of this last night holy crap um through his first eight games he's hitting 313. his ops is almost a thousand I mean he is absolutely crushing the ball uh again it's double a he's not ready yet but man the power this kid's he's a big kid I think he's six four like 235 pounds uh, with frightening power. Um, he can play first, can play third. Um, you know, this is one of those things why the Red Sox wanted to get a real good look at Bobby Dahlbeck this year. Because with Cassis probably a year or two away, the Red Sox have this, some decisions to make. What you do with Dahlbeck, what you do with Raffy Devers. Maybe Rafi Devers becomes a first baseman and you move him off a third, depending on what happens with Cassis. We all know the struggles that Devers has had at times defensively. So the Red Sox know that they have some guys coming. And, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck with his power, even if the Red Sox decide that Cassis is a better option, now you've got a guy like Dahlbeck that would be very, very intriguing to other teams and a guy that that, uh, maybe you could get some other prospects for. But, you know, Dahlbeck needs to hit a little bit more. Last night was a good first step. Um, you know, but look, it's, it's, if you're the Red Sox, it's good to have options. And in the minor league system that it has struggled in the last few years, after all that homegrown talent they had, you know, with guys like Pedroya and Mookie Betts and Ben Intendi and Jackie Bradley Jr., that's, you know, Raffi Devers, Xander Bogart, those are all guys that came up through the Red Sox system. But then, you know, Dave Dombrowski, when he was there, traded away a lot of other guys, Johan Mankata, just to name one, uh, Michael Kopech, another guy that threw 99 miles an hour that he traded to the White Sox as part of the Chris Sale deal. So Dombrowski kind of cleaned out the minor leagues. So, you know, one of the big things for uh, Bloom now has been to kind of rebuild the minor league system. So, uh, you know, a guy like Bobby Dalbeck or even, I, I, it seems silly to say, but a guy like even Raffy Devers, uh, at some point could become trade bait and could bring back a haul for the Red Sox. But uh, good start last night, and uh, now the Red Sox have the Angels coming in for three games. Mike Trout, best player in Major League Baseball, comes to Fenway Park starting tonight. Nick Pavetta, um, who was on the COVID list, but not because he had it. Uh, they had him on it because of some side effects he had from his vaccine. Uh, I guess for a couple of days he felt like a bus had hit him, so they kind of put him on the COVID list so that they could bring somebody else up because he wasn't going to be available. But he's back and supposedly will be ready to start tonight. I mean, and as we know, he's, what, 5 or 8? No, I think, since coming to Boston last year. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the side effects didn't take too much out of him, but he will take on Mike Trout and the boys tonight, uh, 7 o'clock Fenway Park. Twenty-six minutes past the hour. We have got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's thirty-four minutes past the hour here on a Friday morning. As uh, we uh, got about twenty-five more minutes before I get ready to head out to the garden and spend some quality time with the dirt and uh, get the. Uh, I got a lot of the plants. A lot of the seeds are already in, waiting about another week or so before we get the uh, tomatoes and the peppers. And still a little bit chilly at night was what 38 here in Middletown when I got up this morning, Uh, but we're heading up to 75 today. So another week or so and we'll get the tomatoes and the peppers in, but uh, uh, still got some work to do out there. So uh, uh, looking forward to that. I I just love this time of year. Uh, The Yankees were not loving what was going on uh, in St. Pete last night. They got drilled by the Tampa Rays by a final of nine to one rich Hill, uh, who is older than the dirt? I'm going to be working in uh, in my garden this morning. Uh, did something that only no, Cy Young and Nolan Ryan there's there's some company for you. Uh, they be, he became one of the only pitchers between be, other than those two guys to strike out nine against the Yankees at the age of 41 or older. Um, he was ridiculous last night he was uh throwing all kinds of junk up there one of the things I love about Rich Hill is he doesn't throw hard but he is the definition of a pitcher this is a guy you know look he he was out of baseball it looked like his career was over the Boston Red Sox gave him a chance uh five or six years ago kind of resurrected his career and uh he has taken off from there because he had to reinvent himself because of some injuries His fastball tops out now at 90 miles an hour, but he throws. He's got a great curveball. His curveball is his best pitch, Uh, and uh, he throws breaking balls from anywhere from 67 to 75 miles an hour, but that makes that 90-mile-an-hour fastball look a lot faster. Well, last night he goes six and two-thirds, strikes out nine, doesn't give up a run, allows just three hits. He did walk three, but uh, worked out of trouble time and time again. And uh, 41 years old, throws 104 pitches last night, and the Rays beat the Yankees 9-1. Uh, Jamison Tyon, who started out, you know, he's look, he's still coming off of a uh, uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy John surgery, and he's still trying to work his way back. Looked good his first couple of starts for the Yankees, uh, but his last few he has struggled. Last night gave up six hits, four runs uh, in four and two-thirds innings. Now, he did strike out nine over that time, uh, but uh, he wasn't fooling uh, a lot of the hitters because uh, they hit some hard contact off of him last night. Austin Meadows, his eighth home run of the season uh, off a tie-on. Uh, and then uh, they went to uh, Michael King out of the bullpen. King, had uh, for the Yankees, had thrown 12 and a third scoreless innings. Well, he got greeted by Randy Arozarena, uh who hit a blast off of him last night to open the game up. Uh, look, Yankee pitchers struck out 16 guys last night. You know, that's baseball today, right? I mean, you know, strikeout, nobody cares. You know, they struck out 16 Rays batters last night, but the Rays got the last laugh as they won it uh, 9 to 1. Uh, Rich Hill is now 2 and 1. Uh, has an ERA right around 4 and, uh, you know, I just I root for those guys that are pitchers. You know, it's everybody now seems like throws 100 miles an hour. I love the guys that can figure out ways to get wins without having to blow people away. Uh, and if you watch the highlights from last night, some of the stuff that Yankee hitters were swinging at against Hill was funny. I mean, breaking balls that were a foot outside that they just totally got fooled on. So uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun to watch last night. Uh, by the way, Gary Sanchez played for the Yankees last night, got the start, had a couple of hits, has the average up almost to 200 now. He's up to 197 uh, as he tries to make a case why he should still be playing instead of Kyle Higashioka. Um, now the Yankees will have a chance to make some hay for the next few nights. They get to play the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Corey Kluber gets the start at Baltimore tonight against uh, Dean Kramer, who got uh, whacked around uh, by the Red Sox the last time. I, Tyler Glass now will get the start for the Rays tonight. They have a three-game series at home against the New York Mets starting tonight. The Mets had last night off. Uh, as far as the rest of the American League East goes, the Orioles were off yesterday, as I said, as were uh, um, the Mets. But in the the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays completed a six game sweep of the Atlanta Braves last night, beating them eight to four. They had to come back in this game a couple of times uh, after falling behind, but six and zero against the Atlanta Braves, a team that, you know, has all those young stars. And if you're the Braves, the thing that concerns you last night is that Ronald Acuna Jr. had to leave the game in the seventh inning last night after jamming his left ankle. Now, the x-rays were negative, uh, but whether or not he will be able to play tonight uh, is a question, and whether or not, even if he plays, how effective he'll be if, if he's even going to be 100%. Um, Charlie Morton, Connecticut native from uh, Ridgefield, got the start for Atlanta last night, didn't get out of the fifth, gave up seven hits and uh, three runs. Ross Stripling got the start for Toronto, pitched okay, struck out nine over five innings, only gave up a couple of runs, but it uh, it took the comeback, so the, uh, the relief staff did the job for uh, the Blue Jays last night. They got a go-ahead two-run double by Bo Bichette in the ninth inning. That was the difference. Uh, as they win that game, Toronto now twenty and sixteen. They are a game behind, or game and a half behind, the Red Sox in the American League East. Uh, they have won three in a row. The Yankees are two games back. Uh, Tampa sits three back, and Baltimore, even with that sixteen and twenty one record, is uh, only six games back. You know, and it's funny you, th- you talk about the Orioles and you say, "Wow, the Orioles stink." You know, and all right, they're five games under five hundred. But when you think about this, the Orioles of their 37 games, approximately 25% of them. No, actually 25% of them are against the Red Sox, right? They've already played the Red Sox 10 times, 10 times. They won't see them again. I don't think until August, uh, cause you play them, you play uh, a team, I believe 19 times within your own division. But when you think about the fact that they've played a team that's got one of the best records in baseball a whole bunch of times, uh, they've also played Toronto, they've also played the Yankees. So when you look at the caliber of the teams that they've been playing, uh, I'll tell you what, I- I'm, I'm actually kind of impressed with the way the Orioles have played. Uh, based on their schedule, they could be a whole hell of a lot worse than 16 and 21. Um, Other games last night, the Philadelphia Phillies lost to the Washington Nationals. Uh, The Phillies had won the first couple of games in this series. Uh, The best thing that the Washington Nationals did last night was keep their closer Brad Hand out of the game. Uh, Brad Brad Hand had blown uh, two saves and had a loss in his previous three appearances. Well, last night, uh, Washington got four runs in the first inning, and uh, they basically turned it over to Patrick Corbin from there. Corbin went seven innings. For the nationals gave up just five hits in a run he struck out nine didn't walk anybody uh zach eflin got the start for the phillies got roughed up a little bit kyle schwarber last night with a home run his fourth of the season uh josh bell had one as well also his fourth so washington now five games under 500 the phillies with the loss uh fall to 20 and 18 they are a game and a half behind those uh, first place new york mets now the phillies Uh, begin a three-game series against the Blue Jays. Um, It's going to be on the road, but of course it's not going to be in Toronto. It'll be at Toronto's spring training site in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, The Blue Jays will be playing there for about another month, and then they will head to Buffalo, and they will play their home games in Buffalo uh, during the course of the uh, middle of the summer, which it'll be a lot cooler in Buffalo than it would be in Dunedin, Florida in August, I'll tell you that. Unless something happens and Canada changes their mind and decides, you know, to open up the borders and let the, the Blue Jays play there. But think about that. The Blue Jays haven't been able to play in their home stadium in Toronto in two years, right? All of last year, they put the 60 games last year, they played in Buff in Buffalo. Now they're playing in Florida, and they're going above. They haven't seen their home. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, and then uh, the Nationals have a three-game series at Arizona starting tonight. Max Scherzer, uh, who was 2-2 two two, but with a very impressive two three three 3 3 ERA, uh, will get the start tonight against the Diamondbacks. Uh, the Chicago White Sox continued to roll. They win again last night for the White Sox. That is their sixth win in a row. They have won 8 of 10, and they beat the Minnesota Twins, who have now lost four in a row. The Minnesota Twins, the team that everybody thought was either going to win the division or be right behind the White Sox, is now 11 games under 500. 11 games. Lance Lynn. Only went five for the White Sox last night, but he struck out nine, did not allow an earned run over those five innings, and then a great job out of the Chicago White Sox bullpen. Liam Hendricks picked up his seventh save of the season, and uh, the White Sox are now 22-13, and and uh, the the Twins are taking on water. And uh, now the good news, well, no, actually it's not good news. The good news for the White Sox is they get to play the Kansas City Royals now. The bad news, if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, the Oakland Athletics, uh, who are you know with the Red Sox, one of the best teams in the American League, uh, <laughs> get to play uh, at Minnesota. Frankie Montas is going to get the start for Oakland tonight. Matt Shoemaker, who has been terrible for the Twins, as an ERA of almost seven, gets the start for Minnesota. And again, I, I said this yesterday, and I say it again, I wonder how patient... Twins ownership is going to be with Rocco Baldelli or perhaps even with some of these players, some of these guys that are playing well or pitching well, perhaps the Twins wave the white flag and consider making some moves. I don't think it's going to be yet. I think a month from now, if there's still 11 games under five hundred in the middle of June, there's going to be heads rolling and bodies moving in the city of Minneapolis. But I don't think it'll be quite yet. It's 46 minutes past the hour. We've got to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. Uh, by the way, the NHL playoffs start this weekend. Uh, the Boston Bruins will be taking on the Washington Capitals. That should be a lot of fun, and I I said this the other day, I'm really hoping somebody on the Bruins beats the crap out of Tom Wilson, um, who has just practically literally gotten away with murder uh, on the ice this year. The NHL has given him pass after pass, after cheap shot, after cheap shot. Uh, But the other intriguing thing about this series, of course, longtime Bruins captain Zdeno Chara. The Bruins decided not to re-sign the 42-year-old Chara, so what did he do? He signed with the Washington Capitals, and now he will be playing against his longtime team uh, in the NHL playoffs. So that's uh, another kind of those little sidelights to watch uh, this weekend. So there is—I tell you what—even if you are not a normal hockey fan, there is nothing like NHL playoff hockey. the uh, The intensity really ramps up, and if you don't watch hockey all year, if you watch playoff hockey. I think you will become, if not a big fan of the game, you'll understand why people like the game because there's just a different style of play. There's a different level of intensity in playoff hockey. Uh, to me, unlike any other sport, and you know what a big baseball fan I am, uh, you know, and the playoffs are great, and the World Series is great and all that, but to me... You know, teams are still – It's. It, there's no difference in the style of play other than maybe a, a, a manager removing a pitcher a little earlier than he would have. But there's not a lot of difference in the play. But in NHL hockey, for whatever reason, the game is just different in the playoffs. No question about it. The NBA is a little bit like that too. And, and I'm not an NBA fan. I'm a college basketball fan, but the, I stopped watching the NBA a lot um, – in the '90s, when it became more of a one-on-one game and it was no longer a team game, you know, I grew up watching team basketball when Will Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and those kind of guys were playing, and and uh, you know, watching Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and it, it was a great team game, you know, and and I'm, this is nothing against Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is one of the greatest players of all time, but Michael Jordan is one of those guys that kind of uh in many ways ushered in the era of one-on-one basketball and me basketball you know it's again taking nothing away from them and they still played some team concepts you know the the famous uh you know triangle offense and that uh Phil Jackson ran I get all that but um Michael Jordan was the beginning of one-on-one basketball and so I kind of stopped watching and after the Jordan era was over I really uh kind of tuned NB- the NBA out it's not it's not. I, I don't find it fun to watch. But the playoffs again, a little bit different uh, level, and uh, it's still more. Of, it's still a one-on-one game, but the intensity is a little bit different. So I'm more likely to watch an NBA game uh, in the playoffs than I am in the regular season. Uh, a couple other baseball notes before we get out of here: uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, beat the Milwaukee Brewers last night 2 to nothing. Jack Flaherty becomes the first seven-game winner in baseball this year. Six shutout innings, um, only allowed four hits and a couple of walks. Uh, Reyes picked up his 11th save. Uh, Corbin Burns got the start for Milwaukee, struck out nine over five innings, allowed just one run. But uh, what was significant about li- last night for Corbin Burns is he actually walked somebody. Um, he had struck out at the start of the season, he had struck out 58 guys without issuing a walk. It's a major league record for the start of a season. Nobody had ever done that before. Now, Garrett Cole, the New York Yankees, has not walked anybody this year, and he has struck out 56. So he actually has a chance to break Burns' record uh, if he can strike out three without walking somebody in his, uh, uh, his next start. But that's uh, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So, uh, but Burns ends up taking the loss. He falls to 2-3. and three. The Cardinals head to San Diego. They're going to have their hands full, although San Diego still has some guys on the COVID list, although they hope to get a couple of them back over the weekend. Um, but uh, uh, Johan Oviedo will start for the Cardinals against Joe Musgrove, who threw that no-hitter earlier in the season for the Padres. And the Brewers hope to continue the woes for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they will host the Braves starting tonight. Adrian Hauser will pitch against Drew Smiley in that one tonight. Uh, Zach Plesac with a great performance last night for the Cleveland Indians. He took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. Allowed, ended up giving up a couple of runs, but uh, two runs, two hits. Uh, he walked three, but uh, he evened his record at three and three. Uh, Brian Shaw picked up his first save last night, but a great performance by Zach Plesak last night, one of those young, great pitchers for the Cleveland Indians. And one of the reasons why people want to write the Indians off after, you know, Carlos Carrasco is gone and uh, Francisco Lindor ends up going uh, in a trade to the New York Mets and everybody was like, well, they're done. Well, here they are, seven games over five hundred. And uh, they are in second place in the American League Central, and it's because of that great young pitching. You know, Shane Bieber, and Polisac, and uh, uh, Aaron Savali. They've got arm after arm after arm. Uh, they also got some help last night. Jose Ramirez with his eleventh home run of the season, and Mil Reyes hit his ninth uh, for the Indians. And the uh, Seattle Mariners with the loss fall to eighteen and twenty, a team that was in first place. In the American League, West not too long ago has now lost five in a row and seven of ten, and they have fallen four-and-a-half back uh, of the 1st place Oakland Athletics. Um, the Houston Astros pick up a win last night. Uh, they win it in the 11th inning on a wild pitch. Miles Straw scored on a wild pitch uh, in the 11th as they beat the uh, Texas Rangers by a final of 4-3. to three. Uh, the San Francisco Giants keep rolling. They are now nine games over 500. Unbelievable. They are uh, they beat the Pittsburgh Pirates last night three to one. They sit in first place in the NL West, two and a half ahead of the Padres, three games ahead of the Dodgers. And uh, last night, uh, Anthony DeSclafani lowered his ERA to 2.14 with five shutout innings last night. I mean, they're they're getting pitching performances from guys that have been castoffs from other organizations that couldn't make it, and at least early in the season, uh, pitched incredibly well. So DiScalfani, with the win last night, is now 3-1 and one on the season. Unreal. Uh, and the Tigers pick up a win last night. How about that? The Tigers uh, uh, get off the schneid. They are now 11 games under five hundred, but they had been in a big-time dive. And they beat the Kansas City Royals last night. Uh, by a final of four to three, Michael Fulmer, who was uh, suddenly transitioned from a starting pitcher to the bullpen, picked up his seventh, or excuse me, his second save of the season last night for the Tigers. Lynch took the loss for Kansas City. Uh, Spencer Turnbull got the win for the Tigers to improve to two and two. That's going to do it for us here this morning. Uh, time for me to head to the garden, time to watch some uh, Red Sox tonight, playoff hockey this weekend. Can't wait for that. I hope you all have a great weekend. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Darius Rucker. Yesterday was his birthday. Uh, we missed that. So we'll, uh, we'll wish him a happy birthday today. And we'll leave you with, uh, one of his, uh, hits called you and me and my guitar. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to the wake up call on sports country.